You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. The last man. Because if there were a second man, it would intimate that there's more to follow. There is no more to follow. Jesus was absolutely perfect, right? The first man was Adam. The last man was Jesus. Sin came through Adam, Romans chapter 5. Grace and righteousness came through the person of Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen to that. So he, he addresses it and says, so, you know, we don't need to sin anymore. Grace has come. Grace is that wonderful God-given empowerment to absolutely look at whatever is distracting us and making us miss the mark, which is what sin is, to look at it and say, I don't need to live like that. Come on, is, this is good. That's a good word there, isn't it? Think about it for a moment. Everybody in this room has something that besets them. Some kind of ongoing sin. And sin, guys, simply means to miss the mark. In other words, God has an intended target for us to hit, and it's his glory. Romans 3 tells me that. It's his glory. But if we miss that mark, we're outside of what he's called us to be in glory. But grace comes along and says, now you're not required to walk and live like that anymore. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Think about the very thing that besets you in an ongoing way. The thing you face day after day, week after week, maybe you cycle a lot further apart. Maybe it's every few months you cycle into something that you know is not good. Think about it. The next time it comes around, you can hold that up and you can look at it and say, the grace of God says to me, I am not required to live like that. I don't know about you, that's helpful to me. I know what happens inside of this body. This body has almost 50 years of patterns in it, right? Right? And it has certain things that it likes, certain things that it likes to think about. I don't know about you, I can go to depression in 15 minutes. I can be in deep depression in 20 minutes. It doesn't take me long to get there. But I know that when those thoughts start coming along, I know those are old sin patterns that cause me to miss the mark. I hope you're with me. They cause me to miss the mark, but when I hold on to grace and I say the grace of God, he's, been, he's given me grace, I can look at that and say, no, I'm not required to think like that. I'm not required to even feel like that. Come on, is this helpful? Because his resurrection is my resurrection. What are you talking about, Andrew? That's really weird. I'm simply saying the word's clear on it. He didn't even give us a choice in the matter. When Christ died, we were co-crucified with him, Galatians 2.20, right? I am crucified with Christ. Did I have a choice in the matter? Nope. I did not have a choice in the matter. I wake up to the reality and see, what, you did this for me? Hello, church, this is the gospel. The gospel is, this is the work, the finished work of Jesus Christ in the earth for all of humanity, and you get to receive it. Come on, that's a good word. What I'm saying here is God has chosen not to be God apart from humanity. It baffles my mind. I know we've talked about this a time time or two in here, but God has chosen to not be God apart from humanity. In other words, he won't reveal himself fully the full, manifest, multicolored parts of who God is will not be revealed in God alone. He's chosen to bring humanity into it so he can show who God is. Now, come on, is this encouraging? It encourages me because I can look at some people around here and outside of here, and I can look at them and I can say, God, there's God in there. I see that. I see God in that. That only comes out in that person like that. You ever stop to think about that? The next time you're around somebody who's really irritating you, maybe shift your thinking and go, God's in that person. Right? If I'm beholding something that's irritating me, that means I'm not beholding the God creation inside of them.
You guys know people that are really irritating that are hard to find God in? Yeah? Everybody's saying yeah because they know what follows next because if you don't, it might be you. Oh, God help us. God has chosen not to be God apart from humanity. I won't make you turn there, but 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all are made alive. Amen. Come on, that's a beautiful word. So in other words, I died in Adam. We have no problem believing that, right? Does anybody in here have a problem believing that the sin of Adam was imparted to all of humanity? Does anybody have a hard time believing that? It's the scripture, we believe it. What we have a hard time believing is that the righteousness of God was imparted to humanity. Yeah. That's what we have a hard time believing. But here, church, listen, this is the good news. This is the gospel of our salvation. It's Jesus who came and said, you know what? You can't get to me. You can't get to the Father. You can never have that kind of connection that you want because of the sin nature that's in you. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come fully human, fully God. I'm going to set aside my divine prerogative as God. I'm going to take on the human form. And listen, church, this is important. When he took on humanity, he set aside his, divinity, his divine prerogative. Was he still divine? Yes. But what I mean when I say he set aside his prerogative, does God know everything? Does God see everything? Jesus said, I'm setting the ability to know and see absolutely everything aside. I'm going to come and take the form of man. Come on, does this help you? I hope this helps. It makes the, makes the humanity of Jesus so critically important. Because if we don't understand that, we will see him as something that we can never attain to. And in part, that's true. But yet he took on full humanity. And he walked this earth and he said, I only do what the Father says. If I hear him speak, I will say that. If he tells me to go here, I'll go there. If he says, say this, I'll say this. Come on, I'm hoping this is encouraging you this morning. This is what we have. We have the ability now because of Holy Spirit given to us. Inside of us, we have the ability to hear the Father. We have the ability to hear perfectly. Come on. But I can't hear God. Okay, if you can't hear God, trust me. Usually, religion and religious striving and exercises are directly connected to our inability to hear God. So the more we walk in religion and striving and self-help works, that is directly connected to our inability to hear God. Because when you hear God, all those things go away. Come on, this is a good word. You need that? Is that helpful? You have the ability to hear God. Blows me away in our charismatic circles. We got a book coming out almost every month on how to hear God. When it's actually in our DNA. It's actually there. It's, it's, it's inside of us. Peter tells me that we have been born into a divine nature. Isn't that a good word? You've been born into a divine nature. In other words, you have the ability to communicate with God. I don't know why I'm sticking on this so long. I had no intention of doing this, but somebody needs to hear this this morning. You have the ability to hear God. But what does it look like? I don't know. All I know is if you listen, you will hear. But listen, don't let religion crowd it. Don't let religion crowd it. Don't let religion tell you that, oh, I've got to go into my prayer closet and read 20 verses of scripture and journal for 30 minutes before I can finally hear God. That's not true. That may be true for you, but that's not necessarily. That's what we've made it into. We've turned it into a program. I hear God in the shower and on my lawnmower probably more than any other place in my life. Why? I don't know. I just, he speaks to me there. That's what I hear. He could speak to you driving down the road. I hear him there too. Not quite as much, but I hear him there driving down the road. 
you could hear him in somebody else's voice speaking to you. I'm hoping this is encouraging you this morning. I got a lot of faces looking at me like, what the heck are you talking about? Let me pause there and just say this, church. My, inside of me, my personal life, I have zero desire to stand up here and speak and give you information that you can walk out the door and try to apply in your life. I have zero interest in doing that. Zero interest in doing that. As a matter of fact, if that turns out to be what my job is, I quit. I am not interested in doing that. I am interested in bringing a revelation and an impartation of a living God. I hope, if anything, my words wake up something inside of you that's sitting there dormant. That's what impartation does. Impartation doesn't necessarily mean I've got something and I give it to you. It means I've gotten a hold of something and I'm putting my hands on you. I'm speaking to you and I'm waking it up, the thing that's already in there. Oh, boy. Church, we're running around. We're running around like chickens with our head cut off, trying to find some religious activity, trying to find do spiritual gyrations in order to get closer to God. Stop! Stop the nonsense. Start listening. Wake up to the awareness that the spirit of the living God is inside of you and you can hear, you can hear, you can hear him right now. You can hear him and comprehend him while I'm talking to you. That's really what prayer is. Prayer, coming into agreement with God so much so that you can be in a room like this, either listening to one person or having conversations with a lot of people and still hearing God at the same time. Come on, isn't that great? I remember a number of years ago, I was at a YWAM base. Anybody know what YWAM is? Youth without any money? <laughs> or young woman after men? I can't remember. It was one of those things. It's, <laughs> it's cold. That's right. It's cold. I think it actually means, yeah, whatever, man. because, yeah. I don't know. I've been involved with a lot of time with YWAM. They're a fantastic organization, but sometimes the organization part isn't always there. I was in a base one time. I was speaking on Holy Spirit. And uh, after the class, we had morning class, and then we'd break and we'd go to lunch. And I remember sitting in the lunchroom, this big cafeteria, sitting in the lunchroom, and we had just been talking about prayer and praying in the Holy Spirit. And some of the students came and sat down at the table, and I was just sitting there. I wasn't doing anything. I didn't have some holy halo on my head or anything. I was just sitting there about to eat. I'm hungry. And they sat down, and they said, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Were you praying? Did I interrupt your praying? And I kind of chuckled, and I just, it came out of my mouth, and I said, that is really funny that you think you can interrupt my prayer. Isn't that religion, though? Isn't that what religion does? That's really funny that just because you sit down and start talking to me, you think you can interrupt my prayer. I'm still praying. I'm st- I still hear God when I'm talking to you. I don't know why I'm going down this road. It just feels like it needs to happen. I don't want people to walk out of an Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday service, and go, oh, there's my one time a year where I go to church. And, and then feel, you know what that is, guys? Ooh, I'm going to step on some toes. That is religious activity. It's religious activity. It's all bound up in man stuff. It's all bound up in man trying to get to God. It doesn't work. What are you saying, Andrew? I don't need to go to church ever? No, that's not what I'm saying. Because there's value in community. I'm just simply saying, I hope as much as anything, we wake up to this realization that resurrection is not one day of the year that we celebrate. It's an ongoing life of Jesus inside of us. And his resurrection was my resurrection. And I don't know about you, but it helps me to hold on to that. 
it helps me to hold on to the fact when my mind starts going in directions where it doesn't think like that, and when my feelings start going in directions where I don't feel like that, that means the resurrection life that's still inside of me, I just need to come back to it. Come on. Come on. We look outside of ourselves to find solutions all the time. We want to find it in a book. We want to find it in a program. When all we have to do is turn and look and go, I got Holy Spirit right inside of me. I got the living Jesus inside of me in Holy Spirit. Okay. Surely as Christ died, you died. Surely as he rose from the dead, you rose from the dead. Living in this reality is the way of the gospel, church. The way of the gospel is not religious activity and spiritual gyrations got to do these things to get to God. It's not that at all. I want to talk a little bit about testimony. I am going to get to my message. I want to talk a little bit about testimony, and this is the message. Giving testimony of being raised with Christ is how we are changed. Hello? Giving testimony of how we are raised with Christ is how we are changed. I feel it when I talk about it. Say this with me. I'm, I have been raised with Christ, I have been raised with Christ. To, walk to walk in a newness of life. Say it again. I have been raised with Christ. To walk in a newness of life. You know what you're doing right there? You're preaching the gospel to yourself. The gospel is wrapped up in testimony. We talk about testimony here an awful lot. It's, we, we drive it into our OSSM students. How, the importance of testimony and why testimony is so important. Testimony is simply giving an account of what God has done. That's all it is. Testimony is simply giving account to what God has done. So testimony and giving testimony of being raised with Christ is how we are changed. When I say that over and over, it begins to change my thinking. Hello? Mm-hmm. Giving testimony of being raised with Christ is how we change the world. Think about this for a moment. What did Paul and the early apostles do? Most of the church, they didn't have New Testament like we had. Right? They're still working on it. They didn't have that. All they did was they had the Old Testament and were going around and pointing out where Jesus was in all of it. And that he was the answer to all the problems that were found in there. Do you know that about Jesus? He's like that. He's the answer to the world's problems before they ever began. Because he's the lamb that was slain, right? Before the foundation of the earth. He is the answer to the world's problems before they ever began. Come on, that's good news, isn't it? Man, that'll preach. The gospel is the good news of the work of Christ for, in, and towards humanity. That's why it's good to give testimony to a church. It's good to speak to people and say, you know what? Don't say Christ died for you. That's a religious thing. Say Christ died as you. You see the difference? Christ died as you. If we say Christ died for you, now what are you going to do about it? We've turned it into a transaction. He did this, now you do this. Christ died as you. Now, do you believe? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that whoever what? Believes, right? Okay. Take Matthew, take your books out again. Turn to Matthew. Everybody still with me here? You're brave people. We will get through this. Matthew, verse 28, or chapter 28, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to talk about the resurrection story. This is in Matthew's gospel. As the Sabbath was ending, at the first light of dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to take a look at the tomb. Suddenly the earth shook violently beneath their feet as the angel of the Lord Jehovah descended from heaven. Lightning flashed around him, and his robe was dazzling white. 
The guards were stunned and terrified, lying motionless like dead men. Then the angel walked up to the tomb, rolled away the stone, and sat on top of it. Wow. <laughs> Come on, you just, you got, dude must have been bad to the freaking bone, man. Here's this angel walking up to this stone, which was not a tiny stone. Walks up to this stone and is like, let me jump up there and sit down on it. And everybody's freaked out, falling on the ground like dead men. They can't even move because of it. Just a simple presence called, come on, I can't wait to rent that DVD. That's going to be so good. Here this angel shows up, pushes a stone out of the way, and then jumps up on top of it and sits down. What up? I love it that these things are in Scripture. I I love that these pictures are in Scripture because what that tells me, because nothing is in there without meaning right? Nothing is in there without meaning. There's not redundancy in scripture just for the sake of being redundant. It means something. I don't know about you, but the fact that the angel sat on top of that stone is speaking to me. It's saying that the kingdom of God is established on every obstacle that prevents you from life. The kingdom of God is established on every obstacle that keeps you from life. That stone was not rolled away so Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so we could see in. And every obstacle that prevents us from accessing life, come on, are you with me? Every obstacle that keeps us from accessing life is moved out of the way, and the throne of God is established right on top of it going, what up? What up? Obstacle, whatever. I'll make a throne right on top of that. Come on, is that helpful? This is the ongoing work of the resurrection. Mm. Jesus goes on to say that he gives us, he gives us this, this message. Well, let me read, read it to you. He says this, The women who were breathless and terrified, I wonder why, until the, until the angel said to them, There's no reason to be afraid. I know you're here looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen victoriously just as he said. Yeah. Come on, isn't this good? He had told them over and over again that this was going to happen, but yet they still didn't believe it. How many in here walk around in life? I'm including myself in this question here. How many of us walk around here in life knowing that there are promises of God that we have not seen, so we live in an inferior reality simply because we haven't seen it yet? I haven't seen it, so I can't believe it. We have history. We have the word of God to reveal it to us. They didn't. We've got it to reveal it to us. How many of us still walk around going, yeah, he said that, but I don't believe it, and it certainly doesn't feel like that right now. So since it doesn't feel like that, it must not be real. Come on, guys. I'm sorry, but here's the reality. We still live by our feelings. They run our lives. They run our lives. They really do. If we're going to be honest, our feelings run our lives. We do so much of our behavior, so much of what we do is based on how we feel on the inside. One week, come to church, pumped up, fired up. Woohoo! Testimony. God, God's good. Boom. Saturday, something happens. Sunday morning, you wake up. I don't feel so great. I'm not going to church. What changed? What changed? My feelings changed. He didn't change. The truth of his word didn't change. Here he is saying to them, just like he said, he rose from the dead, just like he said. Now, I don't know why they were going back to the tomb exactly. I mean, it could be that they were concerned about grave robbers because there were people going to do that. I mean, it could be, you know, multiple reasons. All I know is they go back expecting one thing because they're not believing it. 
the angel has to correct him and say, no, wait, he's risen, just like he said. Come inside the tomb and see the place where our Lord was lying. Then run and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. I give you his message. And the message is this. I am going ahead of you in in Galilee, and you will see me there. Boy, what would it look like? What would it look like to have a church absolutely filled up with the truth of the word without wavering on it? How many in here have promises, either through scripture or you know that God has spoken to you, that have not happened yet? How many of you in here, and I'm going to include myself in this, remember those things, but oftentimes think they're not going to happen because of the way I feel or because of what's happening in my life? It's not going to happen. Yeah. What would it look like if the church were filled with people so full of faith on the word of God and what he has said and his promises that we, instead of, instead of making petitions, we started making decrees? Hello? But that's what unbelief and living by our feelings does. It reduces decrees down to petitions. The very thing that we should be saying, this is what God has said and this is what is happening. We reduce it down to, God, will you please do this thing? Hello? I hope you guys are with me this morning. How many times do we pray for people and say, God, if it be your will, let them be healed? What is that? I'm serious. What are we doing? We're reducing a decree down to a, uh, a petition. But insecurity, religion, and fear will always do that. It's always going to reduce the decree down to a petition. If it be your will. Well, we know it's God's will. He said that. He already said that. Not only did he already say that he is willing to heal. Not only did he say that, he gave us a direct command. Said heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, make disciples, preach the gospel, right? So I don't need to say, God, should I preach the gospel? God, should I heal the sick? God, should I raise the dead? Hello? Come on, I'm hoping I'm injecting something into you. You have the spirit of the living God inside of you. Don't let petitions become your norm. Let decrees become your norm. Hmm. What would it look like for people to settle it and then to decree it and move in power? Read verse 7 here again. They run and tell the disciples that he has, then run and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. I give you his message. I am going ahead of you into Galilee, and we'll see you there. In Mark's gospel, uh, we get to the story right here, and it's a little bit different. It's Jesus showing up on the scene with the disciples a little bit later, and he actually rebukes them. He rebukes them for not believing the testimony of the women who were there before, who saw the empty tomb and came back. Are you still with me here? This is why testimony is so important. We testify to what God has done. We testify, and that is the gospel to the world, but it's also the gospel to ourselves. But here's the other part of it. If somebody else is testifying and we're hearing it, it's just as important. But wait a second. Somebody's testimony might be false. Maybe they saw it or heard it wrong. I know, that's a challenge, isn't it? (laughs) That's a real challenge, isn't it? But listen, we're not looking for facts. We're looking for life. How many of you have ever heard a testimony about somebody getting healed or somebody's salvation? Have you ever heard a testimony and you hear it and you're kind of like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can believe everything that just happened right there. All I know is something came alive in me when you started to talk about that. You with me? That's what we're looking for, the testimony that has presence in it. 
Jesus is right in the middle of the testimony. I've heard people give testimony, and I'm kind of like, man, that is weird. And even starting my mind and my logic, start thinking, why did it happen? Why, why would you do that like that? Instead of really listening for, is there presence on that testimony? Is what, is what they are saying right now, does that have the life of, I'm hoping this is making sense. I'm not speaking to your intellect now, right now. I'm speaking to your heart. Is, is, there, is, there, is there life inside of that? When they speak, is there, does it make something? Remember in John chapter 6, when Jesus started teaching cannibalism? No, I'm serious. We, again, we look back on it like history. We look at it because we know what he was talking about. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have nothing to do with me. Yeah. What? Now, we know what he's talking about, but these disciples that were following him were going, what are you talking about? Cannibalism? This is like what the barbarians do. This is what they, those, oh, those really, those, oh, we're not doing that. And it says in John 6 that a number of the disciples left and said, we can't have anything to do with him anymore. Then he goes to his disciples and he asks his disciples, well, what are you guys going to do? And Peter, I love this, Peter's response. He says, listen to this. He says, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. Let me give you the Andrew Lamb translation. Where are we going to go? All I know is when you talk, something comes alive inside of me. I don't understand it. It doesn't make a lick of sense to me what you're talking about. When, when you talk, though, it makes something come alive inside of me, and I just want to be around you. Come on, are you feeling me this morning? Church, listen, this is critical. God does not primarily come to your intellect. He's going to speak to the very nature of who you are because you have a new nature, and when he speaks, it's your dad talking, and then all of a sudden you start to come alive because you're going, I feel family in this. I feel dad in this. There's something about this. This does not make sense to me. I cannot comprehend it in my mind, but when you speak to me, something happens and I feel alive. Come on, hopefully you know what I'm talking about, right? Have you experienced before? Why? Because God is not primarily interested in talking first to your intellect so he can ultimately have your heart. He's going for your heart first. I'm going to speak a language that you can understand, and when I speak to you, your heart's going to begin to resonate. It's going to begin to vibrate. You're going to come alive. And then once you do and you receive that, then all of a sudden your intellect starts to grasp it. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time, even with that sometimes, with the word getting in right here and then ultimately make it up to my intellect. I've studied the word my life. I have a bulk of my life in studying the word, and there still are a lot of things in there that don't make sense to me. But I can read them and I can go, God, they bring me to tears. I don't understand it, but it brings me to tears because I ultimately know that I can find, when I find Jesus in it, it moves me. Hello? By the, wor- by the way, don't ever read your Bibles without looking for Jesus in it. Don't do it. I am co-crucified with him. I am co-raised with him. Why would I want to read my Bible without him? Why would I want to try to digest the word of God without him sitting right there with me? Danielle brought it up last week. I think it was Leviticus. You said something about Leviticus. Was it you that said that? Yeah. You ever try to read Leviticus? <laughs> There's a lot of blood and guts in that book. Mm-hmm. But if you read it through the lens of Jesus, you're going to look at it and you're going to celebrate it. Yep. Because it's all pointing to him. This is what I'm saying. When you read, listen for that. When you listen for the voice of God, listen to what speaks right here. What's resonating inside of you? When the testimony comes... Don't be like the other disciples who got rebuked because they couldn't believe what the women saw. Jesus rebukes them and said, he told you about this and you don't believe it. Look for the life that's in the middle of it. My words are spirit in their life. In other words, sometimes your breakthrough comes through the experience of another person. 
How many in here need breakthrough? Sometimes your, experience, your breakthrough comes through the experience of another. Here's what we do in our humanity. Somebody comes along, tells a story about something where they've gotten breakthrough, and we need breakthrough in that same area, and then we start getting judgmental and crass about it. Oh, man. Yeah, well, it probably didn't happen like that. Yeah. Call it discernment when it's really suspicion. It's really jealousy. Somebody else has a breakthrough. How many in here need a financial breakthrough? Yeah. You need a financial breakthrough? Find somebody who just got one and listen to their story. Seriously. And when you're listening to their story, you're listening to where God shows up. You're listening for the life inside of it. How many in here need healing? Get around somebody who just got healed. This is why the testimony is so powerful. Sometimes your breakthrough is found right in the middle of somebody else's testimony. Listen for it. Pay attention to it. I don't know why. I guess it's just part of being in the body. But sometimes Jesus, I've noticed that. Jesus has a way of getting something to me through another individual. I want to think that I can just run to him and run to his word and get it. But sometimes he puts it on another individual and I have to connect with him in order to get, that, what, get what he's saying. I need it. I need it. Okay, take your Bibles. Turn to John. One other story here. John, chapter 11. Sometimes it's hard to believe the word of God because we see in the natural, because we give into our feelings. <laughs> my feelings are a true representation of my perceived reality. My feelings are real, right? How many in here would say, yes, we need to know what our feelings are, we need to identify them. I'm like that. I'm learning how to do that. I'm learning how to identify my feelings. I have more than two now. That's really good. <laughs> I'm getting better. I have more than two. I'm learning to identify those things, but my feelings are still a true representation of my perceived reality, not reality itself. Valid, but they can't tell me where to go in life. Here's another story that speaks to that. John chapter 11, verse 1. In the village of Bethany, there was a man named Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary was the one who would anoint Jesus' feet with costly perfume and dry his feet with her long hair. One day Lazarus came, became very sick to the point of death, so his sister sent a message to Jesus. Lord, our brother Lazarus, the one you love, is very sick. Please come. And when he heard this, he said, This sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but will be, bring glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. Now, did she get a word when Lazarus was sick? Did the two sisters get a word? And what did the word say? The sickness will not end in death for Lazarus. Okay? Jump down to verse 11. Then Jesus added, Lazarus, our friend, has fallen asleep. It's time that I go wake him up. Come on. Come on. You talk about a shift in your perception. I want to see what Jesus sees. Dude was dead. Heart stopped beating, okay? Jesus says he's fallen asleep. I want to see things like that. I want to Listen. There's wonderful practical application in this. How many times do we look at things in our life and say, it's dead, the heart stopped beating right there. Yeah. It's over, finished, finito, done. And then Jesus looks at it and says, man, it's just asleep. It's just asleep. I mean, he'd already given the word, right? Verse 12, when they heard this, the disciples replied, Lord, if he has just fallen asleep, then he'll get better. Jesus was speaking about Lazarus' death, but the disciples presumed he was talking about natural sleep. Then Jesus made it plain to them, Lazarus is dead. 
And for your sake, I am going, I'm glad I was there because isn't this great? It's like he's got to like, yeah, you don't get what I'm talking about. Okay, I'll speak your language for a minute. He's dead, okay? He's dead. Come with me. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there because now you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you will learn to trust in me. Come, let's go see him. Jump down to verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was approaching the village, she went out to meet them. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, My Lord, if only you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that if you were to ask God for anything, he would do it for you. Isn't this great? You see this glimpse of hope. You see something coming out of her mouth at this point. Martha saying, I, don't, I, I know that you've got this connection going on with God, and I just know if you say something, something could probably happen right here. I don't know. I'll take that faith. I'll take that little amount right there. Because I know where I am. I know oftentimes inside of me where my feelings and where my thoughts go, where I look at things and go, they're absolutely dead. But I know that something starts to change in me when I let myself turn just a little bit to say things like this to Jesus. I just know if you speak to it, something can change. Come on, are you with me this morning? So much of what happens in our life, listen, so much of the things that go wrong and happen in our life, we leave them there. Because of the way we think. We don't ever come back around to it and say, you know what, this looks like poop right now. And I feel much the same. But if you will just speak to it, I know something will change. In other words, your breakthrough being delayed does not mean your breakthrough is denied. Your breakthrough being delayed does not mean your breakthrough is denied. If we let ourselves slip into the I'm denied and it's not going to happen, then chances are it won't. Not because God can't, but because remember, he's chosen not to be God outside of humanity. He's deposited himself in us. I'm resurrected with him. I was buried with him. I'm resurrected with him. Actually, if we took it further, we'd see we're ascended with him as well. Ephesians tells us that we're ascended with him. So he's looking for us to come into agreement with what he is saying, what he has already said. And when we start to say those words right there, then things begin to change around us. Come on, are you in the room with me? I know, I know, I know. I'm going to wrap this up here. Hey, I'm doing good. Look at that. It's only 10 after. Verse 23, Jesus told her, your brother will rise and live. She replied, yes, I know he will rise with everyone else on resurrection day. Martha, Jesus said, you don't have to wait until then. Come on, this is a good word. You don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection. I am life eternal. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Martha thinks she's taking a theology test right here. Well, I know, you're the, I know that in the end, that in resurrection, everybody's going to, I know that. I, I get that. I, I know that. She's trying to give answers to what he's talking about based on her own limited understanding. And he breaks through and he says, wait, you don't understand. I didn't say I will be the resurrection. I am the resurrection. I posted something yesterday and immediately it began. I simply posted, his resurrection is my resurrection. It's a present reality, not a future expectancy. And immediately, well, what about this verse? What about this verse? What about this verse? What about this verse? All those wonderful things, because you know, you can really convince people of something otherwise if you do that. 
not. I, I don't even reply. I'm, I'm, all I know is when I'm, my mind is set on the things that he says and my mind is set on things above, Colossians 3, if you then be risen with Christ, <laughs> hello, here's that resurrection, if you then be risen with Christ, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. When things look like they're dead, I'm thinking like things of the earth. When I think about what Jesus has said and what he is saying, all of a sudden I'm starting to think about life. I'm starting to think about hope. I'm starting to think about future. Come on, is this helpful? If you are risen with Christ, Colossians 3, how many in here are risen with Christ? God, 96%. How many in here are risen with Christ? If you then are risen with Christ, then set your mind on things above. That word mind there, sofreno, you know what it really means? affections. What are you in love with? What are you in love with? Now I know nobody in here would say I'm in love with depression. I, would know, I know nobody in here would say I'm in love with how things in my life are broken. Nobody would say that. But the reality is we do love them when we meditate on them. And he's saying set your mind on things above because you're risen with him. Well, things are dead. Well, things are broken. It's not a theology test. The study of the word is not a theology test. It's a love encounter. As a matter of fact, don't ever read your Bible without being madly in love with him because if you do, you're going to turn it into something you have to do. Close your eyes a second. What's dead? What's hopeless? What looks like it's taking forever to come to a place of realization? What are the things in your life that just keep going, 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 and you look at them and go, I'm not hopeless concerning that, but I just don't know that it's ever going to come about. I really do believe there can be a shift right now. Right now where you could mark this day, April 16th, as a day that you never went back to that thinking again. You have the same Holy Spirit in you that raised Jesus from the dead. You have been raised with him. Your resurrection is his resurrection. You've been made alive. What kind of thoughts are you thinking? Are your thoughts negative? Are your thoughts about death, destruction, despair, hopelessness, fear, enmity, judgment, Are your thoughts filled with judgment? Are your thoughts still filled with God is going to judge me? There's a judgment coming, but listen, right now, you're standing in the righteousness of Christ. But what's filling your thoughts? Are your thoughts filled with that, I'm thinking too much about heaven? I don't think that's really something that we fall into. But if we are raised with Christ, let's set our affections. What are we in love with? What are the things that we meditate on? What are the things that we think about? Set our affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Because you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. How many in here want to live? If you want to live, you can't find it by looking in the natural. You have to look where your life is hidden. Your life is hidden with Christ in God, all wrapped up in him. All this wonderful, beautiful package called the Trinity and humanity. It's all wrapped up into him. It's not that difficult, church. It really isn't. It's just a matter of choosing to say, you know what? I will choose to think what God thinks. 
Oh, by the way, that's repentance right there. Changing your mind. Choosing repentance. That's, change, that's, right, um, that's repentance. I choose to think what God thinks. That is repentance right there. Repentance has nothing to do with your behavior. It has an effect on your behavior, but it doesn't have anything to do with it. It has an effect on your behavior. When you start to think like God thinks, you start to live like God lives. Romans 8 goes on to tell us that the whole earth groans in anticipation for the revelation of the sons of God. The whole earth groans in anticipation for the revelation of the sons of God. It's not groaning in anticipation for the becoming of the sons of God, but the revelation of the sons of God. In other words, they exist, but are they being revealed? I don't know about you, church. What would it look like if a church got a hold of this, where we stopped making petitions, we started making decrees, where we started, stopped living with a love affair of what's negative and what's wrong, and we started having a love affair with what's right? What does Jesus say? He already said, I'm the resurrection and life. He says he is not going to die. This is not unto death. He's going to live. But we have a love affair with a negative I can't see resurrection in it until Jesus comes and says, you don't get it. You don't get it. It's not about what I'm going to do. It's about what I've done. Ooh, that was a good one right there. I felt that when I said it. Church, listen, if you're still living your Christian life thinking that it's about what God is going to do instead of about what he has already done, it's hopelessness. Mm, Jesus, Jesus. I want to do a call right here. I don't normally do this, but I feel like we need to do a call. I want to do a call to salvation. And I don't normally do this because it's honestly, it's difficult for me. It's difficult for me, not because I don't believe in the word and the Bible and the good news. It's not that at all. It's just, I don't find anywhere in scripture where it says pray a prayer and you're saved. It doesn't say anything like that, but what we do is we have calls to salvation and we lead somebody in prayer and we think they're saved when all they did was repeat words that I said. Here's what I'm doing. I'm calling you to salvation, which is whatever is resonating in your heart right now, and you know you feel it. Whatever is resonating in your heart right now, just simply say to Jesus, I believe. I believe. At the end of that story with Martha, he says all this to her. I am the resurrection. I am the life. And then he says, do you believe? In other words, the transition from not experiencing life to having everlasting life has to do with believing. You move from unbelief into believing. How many in here want to believe with me that Jesus is who he said he is? That I was buried with him, that I was raised with him. That I'm seated with him in heavenly places. You may say, like me, I've been a believer for years. And I have but there's a lot of parts of salvation that I haven't experienced yet. There's a lot of parts, a lot of elements, a lot of pieces in salvation that I haven't experienced yet, and I want the full experience of it all. I want all of it. Oh, yeah, hold your hands out here. So I am going to ask you to repeat after me, (laughs) but it's not a prayer. You're talking to Jesus. You're not repeating after me necessarily. I want you to begin to speak to Jesus in your own language. Essentially what you're saying is, I believe. I believe. I believe you. I believe you're the Christ. 
in your own words, just say it, whisper it, shout it, you can do whatever you want. I believe you're the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You are the resurrection and the life. You're not, it's not that you will be, you are. You are. You are the I am that I am. You are a being that is being all the time. You are the resurrection, you are the life. If there's any ounce of guilt or shame that you're feeling right now, just understand this, that the cross told guilt and shame to shut up. It was a megaphone shouting to condemnation, to guilt and to shame, and it screamed at the cross, shut up. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. None. Now, I want you to just sit there for a second. We're going to be quiet, but I want you to sit there for a second. I just want you to let, don't think about what's going on around you. Don't let your mind spin into all that stuff. It's right there with Jesus. Just say, I believe. Take the most impossible thing that's right in front of you right now and say, I believe. I believe. Restoration of family. Healing. Financial breakthrough. I believe. I believe. Yes, yes, God. I believe. Oh, mercy. Yeah, I believe. If it's children you're hoping for, come on, I'm not making this up and I'm not trying to pump your tires up here. It's not the goal. I'm trying to lead you, not manipulate you. If it's children you're hoping for, you haven't been able to have them, just say, Lord, I believe. If it's broken relationships that you've gone, it's over, it's done, it's never going to happen, just say, Lord, I believe. You don't have to understand it. Remember, he doesn't speak to your intellect. Lord, I believe. If it's ongoing addiction battles, look right at it. Don't be afraid of it. Look right at it and say, Lord, I believe. I believe everything that you've offered me, everything that you've given, the grace of God fully satisfies. I believe. If it's healing, I believe. I believe. I believe. Your resurrection is my resurrection. I choose to believe it. I just choose to live it. I choose to walk in it. Lord, I'm, I'm even asking, Holy Spirit, that you would just kick my butt a little when I start thinking opposite of what you're thinking. Get my attention. Grab me. Shake me and show me you're not thinking like I think. That's not hope. That's not future. That's not joy. That's not expectation. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yeah, I, I feel, I just see it in the spirit right now, this like this looming cloud, darkness that wants to just hover over and create an Eeyore reality in your life. 
I don't know who's that for. I just, it's, like a, it's like an ongoing thing. It's become so much part of your life that you don't even know what it would look like if it wasn't there. It's just an Eeyore. Oh, bother. It ain't going to work. It's the way things go. Right now, I'm making declaration to a change in your language, a change in your speech, a change in the way you think, a hope that is gra- has grasped onto something greater. If it's marriage that you're looking for, you will find it a whole lot faster when you start thinking like he thinks, that he does have purpose and plan, and he has someone for you. Come on, are you with me? Yes, Jesus. Everybody stand up together. Ministry teams, I want you to go ahead and make your way up here. This is what we're going to do. We're going to wrap this up, but I want to make sure that everyone knows that we're going to have people standing up here to pray for you. And if you want to get baptized still, we can do that. Yeah, let me move this out of the way here. We've got people up here that want to that pray for you, that want to agree with you. This is what they're for. This is why we have people that do this. Just come up and talk to them. You don't need a long story, but just come. I need you to agree with me about this right here, and they will get on it with you. Jesus. One more time. Hold your hands out here. I don't feel like we're done with this yet. Yes, Lord. I'm declaring resurrection life because I have resurrection life inside of me. I'm declaring it. I'm declaring it over this room. I'm declaring it over every individual, every family, every child, every young person, every adult. Resurrection life. Resurrection life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you're great. You're so good. You're so good. Just tell him he's good. Lord, you're good. You're so good, Jesus. You're so good that if anything that I think, any place, anywhere, anytime that you're not good, I need to change my thinking because that's what's wrong. You're good and you're always good. You're always good. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life. 